Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, The Best of the Best, Charlotte McElroy shares the must-dos for preschool and children's choir teachers. Discover or relearn the best time-proven strategies for long-term success. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. Same thing on the same side, both sides of the body, which is an easier scale. Now we're going to get a little fancy. You've graduated to older children, so we're going to spiff it up. Remember, don't think right or left. Just follow me. Think right or left. Your your seat's narrow. Uh, other hand. There you go. I know. Because you know you what you, what you what adults do. Same thing. Say this three times. Older children. Fooled you. Is you, um, how many of you have children in the evening? Any here Sunday evening? Or is there anybody that has them any other time? Or your mornings? Or, or your school groups? Okay. School people? In the evening. Okay. Afternoon, evening? Evening, evening. So most of you in here are dealing with children frankly, when they're really child. And um, um, often, children do need an energizer to get that voice going. Now, I am not a strong advocate of doing, you know, 15, 20 minutes of fun songs and exercises because all you'll do then 
is get them revved up beyond control. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I pick up something that has uh, people doing a lot of that, I always just go, mm -hmm. <laughs> But they, I use energizers when the children look lethargic. You can walk in a room, you look lethargic this morning. I am lethargic this morning. So we use a little energizer to get things going. By the way, my name is Charlotte McElroy, um, and I'm from Sioux Falls, Mississippi, and I'm very old. And, um, <laughs> I, and I've been doing children's class for a really, really, really long time. Um, I grew up in a little town in Mississippi, and um, I think I've told a couple of people, this was the kind of little church, you know, we weren't a tiny church, we were like 300 and Sunday school, so that's not tiny. But uh, it was the kind of church where we had a guy who stood in front of the adult choir and waved his arms, but he was the assistant sheriff, and he didn't really know any music. He just sort of did this. But the real head honcho was the organist, you know. And so she turned over the children's choir to me when I was 16. <coughs> now, let's just say I'm pushing, you know, the big 6-0 here. So <laughs> I've been doing this for a really, really, really long time. And I've worked with all of those groups, including adults. I've uh, been a music director and that kind of thing. And I tell you that only because um, I think when you do something for a long time, if you want to keep learning, God continues to teach you. And even and I, as I'm here in front of you this morning, I'm still learning. And uh, I know you would be here if you didn't feel the same way. But there are some things that you can do to ensure long-term success for your children's ministry, your choirs. And I will frankly tell you, um, there are things that um, are not, that, that they probably have less to do with the music than they do with a lot of other things. So I've given you a handout, and uh, I don't generally in the... Um, in the mood of reading a handout to you. I'm not going to read it, but it's an alphabet for success that I worked on. And we're going to talk through it simply because I didn't want you to have to worry about taking notes all the way. I wanted you to be able to look up and, and uh, engage yourself this morning. And if you were in my sessions yesterday, we worked some with preschool and younger children and uh, improvisation and working with the pentatonic scale. So, we're going to sing our scripture verses this morning that are at the top of your page. Can you get me some pants? Now, in, a, in an older children's choir, um, if I have a scripture verse that we are uh, using that evening that I really want to focus on, I will often start out by singing it and having the children add some pentatonic accompaniment. And uh, we've laughed yesterday, and let me just say this, when I said pentatonic, I was obviously talking too fast. <laughs> My friend on the back row, I forgot your name. She said, I thought you said catatonic, and I said, believe me, I was feeling pretty catatonic after flying from Mississippi. And <laughs> but um, the, the thing is, is to remember that penta means five. So uh, it's five notes. And so if you don't know that, I'll be going over that again in the instrument section this afternoon. But um, the neat part about using the pentatonic scale is anything you play with in that scale sounds good together and you don't have to worry about harmonies matching. Uh, if y'all will be my echo, boys and girls, does an echo or a copycat go with me or after me? After. after. So listen carefully. Now, if you were first through third graders, I would actually tell preschoolers, I would actually tell you to point to your ears and listen. Why would I tell you to do that? It's another physical cue. It, 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 and it, remember, anytime you engage the body, the younger the child, the more, the more you need to engage the body. So when you say to preschoolers and younger children, listen, it's better if you have them to physically do something that makes their ears, you know, dominate. With older children, you need to tell them, and this is my mother, the English teacher, would kill me, but you need to tell them something to listen for. 
Now, I, one of your things that I want to tell you today, never, ever, ever, ever say to a group of children, listen and just play it because it means nothing to them. <laughs> they will so ignore you. So if you're going to say the word listen, have them do a physical cue or tell them something specific to listen for. Okay, boys and girls, I'm going to sing scripture verse. And you put your, your hands here so that you listen. And <clears throat> um, whenever you hear me sing the word do, I want you to take your hands and go do. Okay, so let's practice that. Do. So here's where our fingers are going to stay as we listen. But when we hear the word do, D-O, you're going to go do. Okay, here we go. Whatever you do, do whatever you do, whatever you do, do your work heartily, do your work heartily, do your work heartily, to the Lord, <laughs> rather than for men. Okay, tricked you. I love to trick boys and girls, okay. And I always do, you know, say, ha, got you. <laughs> because what does that make them do? It makes them listen. Uh, if you weren't in here yesterday, listening is a basic preschool skill, but it is never over. You need to be teaching listening in preschool through fifth grade. Anything you can do to get them to listen. And any you know, and I will tell you this, the primary problem in uncertain singers, we're going to do a whole session on that today, is what? Listening. You get the listening cured, you got the rest of it cured. So, always working on this. Okay. Now, this time, boys and girls, instead of do, I want you, uh, we'll pretend like you're older children. Does anybody know the sign language for Lord? Anybody know that? Yes. You just take the L and run it down your body. So when you hear me sing the word Lord, I want you to make the sign for Lord. And when you hear me sing the word men, which includes women right now, I just want you to point to yourself. So there's two words. What do you do for Lord and men? Okay, here we go. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Do it for the Lord rather than for men. Sing with me. Do it for the Lord rather than for men. Do it for the Lord rather than for men. Spip it up. Do it for the Lord rather than for men. Do it heartily. Do it heartily. What is heartily? Okay, I'll just give you some choices here. Is heartily lazy? No, heartily is not lazy. Is heartily like leftovers? No. Okay, so give me a word. If it's not lazy and it's not leftovers, what might it be? Fervor. Fervor. He's a big, she's in the gifted program. <laughs> Perfect. What else? 100%. Energy. Enthusiasm. Like you want to do it. I will, I will tell you for some of you who, how many of your students here at Baylor? Eight-year students? I will tell you that I told Randall Bradley yesterday, one of the things that I've been so impressed by y'all, and I want y'all to know this. A lot of places I go, they'll have student helpers, and they're, they, they act like they're sort of grudgingly there, you know. These Young men and women have been wonderful. I mean, they are doing their work heartily. And it is such a joy to come in and to see them. I mean, they're in here offering to do stuff. What can I do for you? I mean, and, and they're not doing it like somebody's twisting their arm. They're doing it like because they want to do it. So I don't know if somebody gave y'all a shot or something, but I'm liking it. <laughs> but um, but I, I think that it's scripture. If, if you don't, leave with anything else today 
You need to do your work heartily. That is the biggest, biggest secret of keeping children in your property. If you are there half-heartedly, they will see it. I'm going to tell you something. You can overcome a lot of stuff. If you don't know just a whole, whole lot about music, you can learn it. You know, learn it with the kids. Not, not a big problem. If you don't know, if you're unsure of your theology and you're just kind of scary there, just choose good music. You know, go somewhere, listen to choose good music, and don't worry. If you know you're getting it from a good composer and you've been to a workshop like this and you go to your reading sessions and you know it's a solid theological, don't worry about that you don't know everything in the word in the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you something, God will teach you as he is ready. And he will open the scriptures to you if you have a desire. But I, I don't know of any book that can teach you to do your work heartily. This has to come from the Holy Spirit. And it has to come from within you. But I will tell you this. I would rather have somebody teaching a children's choir that knew very little music and was not so stupid in the Bible, but they're doing their work heartily. Because I'll tell you, if they're doing their work heartily, they'll be in God's Word, they'll be on their knees praying, and they'll be in workshops learning. Because they want to be better. Now that is a, if I had to give you one secret of long-term success with children, that's it. Don't quit learning and do your work heartily. It is, and it's right there in the scriptures. Look at the bottom of the page. <clears throat> it's Colossians 3.23. Now, let's go back to the top. And also, I put three scripture verses there that we sang yesterday. But um, let's just, let's just um, boys and girls, I'm going to read it, and then I want you to copy me, whatever uh, I do. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Let us not lose heart in doing good. We shall reap if we do not grow weary. We shall reap if we do not grow weary. We shall reap if we do not go weary. Do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. But with endurance, but with endurance, but with endurance, run the race that is set before us. With endurance. scriptures at the top. Don't ever just read a scripture to your kids. Be good stewards. Always be working on steady beat, listening, having them copying vocal intonation. You know, be a good steward. If you can do six things at once, do six. You know, you know, multitask. I, I'm telling you now, women, you are good multitaskers. And the men are getting theirs. They take better care of their children. But I'm telling you, I've, all, I've decided women that tend to children have to be multitaskers. I mean, there is no other way to survive. I was <laughs> telling Craig, I kept two of my grandchildren for six days, a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it had been a while since I had multitasked so completely. Um, <clears throat> but think in terms of being a good steward of the time that you have together. How many of you have 45 minutes? How many of you have an hour? How many of you have 30 minutes or less? See? You've got to be a good steward or your children will get nothing. They will get nothing if you're not a good steward. So what I mean by that, layer things. If you're going to use a scripture verse, do what I did then. Use some steady beat activities, some rhythm. Change vocal intonation. Get them to match. And then what are we doing? We're doing a spiritual thing, aren't we? We're doing a rhythm thing. And we're doing vocal exploration and listening. So you know we're laying about four things there. If you want to be a master teacher, and if you want to have long-term success, you've got to learn to do that. Now, the A, 
is the ability to change and advance. And I will tell you, we're in a very changing culture. And I want to speak a minute on this because I do not believe that we ever change the essence of what we're teaching because that is unchangeable, unchangeable. You know, there are scriptures that say that God is unchangeable and immovable and he's eternal. And, you know, there's just so many scriptures that talk about his unchanging nature, his immovable nature. So we are never going to change what we teach from scripture. Um, and I will tell you why change um, correct sequencing of teaching how to sing. If you were in here yesterday, we talked about that God has created a sequence of how children learn to walk and run, and he created a sequence of how children learn to sing. So don't, in the name of being cute, you know, trash that. There are some things that are unchangeable, but I will tell you what is changeable and you must be willing to do, is you need to watch children and watch what their needs are. And ch maybe you change your presentation a little bit. I've changed my presentation a lot through the years. Um, not in big ways, but in subtle ways as I saw children change. And I'll tell you a very, very big way that I've changed. When I did my first older children's choir, and it was in 1975, I don't mind telling you how old I am because, you know, I look every bit of it. God's son <laughs> telling me. But in 1975, um, I did my first older children's choir. And in 1975, sixth graders were children. They were absolutely children. A sixth grade girl today is much more puny than she is child. And yet, you know, many of our churches still group four, five, and six together. My church does. Um, I know a lot of people have middle school choirs, but my church does not. Uh, how many of you have sixth graders in your church and older children? Several. Okay. <clears throat> sixth grade girls and sixth grade boys who think they're just too big to, you know, do anything, you are not going to do baby stuff. They're just not going to do it. And if you introduce baby stuff to them, they are not going to do it, and it's just going to turn into, you know, they'll, they'll be back there snarling and laughing. Now, I'll tell you what the girls will do. They'll just start off like this. <laughs> like, they're just, the guys just get silly. You know, they just get, <laughs> you know, they just get all goofy. So, what's the point? If you're not going to present it in a way that is um, acceptable to the child, then you have wasted your time. So, but the kicker is you've got those fourth graders who are still children. Fourth graders are still children. Fifth graders pretty much are still children. But not many sixth graders, they're, they're just, you know, they're not. So I'm telling you, make some adaptations to, um, to them. And um, the best way to do it is in some, um, I have lots of things that are for sixth graders in my, in my choir. And the kids, and I will tell you what always happens, they come in and the kids are like, oh, that's not fair, the sixth graders always get to play the accompaniment parts in church or, you know, that get first chance at solos. And I'll say, yeah, it's fair. Because when you're a sixth grader, you'll get to do it. I do not believe that every child um, ought to be, get every privilege at every age. I think that's the craziest thing that anybody ever did in their lives. And I'll give you a prime example. My children are now uh, 29 and 32. They're just having birthdays. They're both married, both have kids of their own. But I remember when the 32-year-old was in first grade, the church I was serving at the time, she was a high school leader, had a locking for first graders. <laughs> I thought, I was, I called, I, I rarely called the, the church, but I said, you know, that, of course, locking's really big in the 70s for teens. And I said to them, do you really think if you start having lock-ins in the first grade, 
that they are going to think a lock-in is cool when they get to 8th or ninth or 10th grade. I did not. And the crazy part is, a first grader thinks it's cool to have a water balloon party. I mean, you know, why have a lock-in? <laughs> it's like, you know, the people that do all this elaborate, elaborate stuff for preschoolers, when they're happy with a colored Easter egg with gravel in it, I mean, you know, don't give your whole lot away <laughs> early. So what I'm telling you, part of the way to adapt your choir is maybe to have some little special things that are just for sixth graders. You have to be a sixth grader to do this. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it's just that they know that's for sixth graders. And you have to kind of, you know, work your way up to that way. Um, B, and I, I call this best practice, beautiful singing, striving for excellence. Um, do whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. If you are involved in a school system, you know the term best practice. I was on our school board for a while in Tupelo. We have an excellent public school system. And I, I, one of the things that drove me crazy is we would, you know, um, test a, a, a project or test a theory or something in some school and it would turn out to be great and then they would not duplicate it in the other six elementary schools. And I, so I was just like the voice of nuts all the time. I was going to explain to me why we spent all this money and we now have identified this as best practice and we are not duplicating it in the other six schools. So I was just like a tell of a hun. You know, I was like, so, you know, I politicked with the other school board members and I said, all right, if we identify best practice, we're going to duplicate it or we're not funding one more thing. Well, bud, we got their attention. Now, but here's what I'm telling you. If there is a best practice in something, why are you out there trying to recreate the wheel? You know, these are things that are best practice. These are proven. These are God-created. These are it. So why are you out there trying to figure out some new something? I'm going to tell you. Now, that's just not smart. So <clears throat> go for best practice. Go for beautiful singing. Please don't be satisfied with just whatever the kids put out. I mean, constantly say to them, Sing beautifully before the Lord. Don't just give the God your voice. Give God your best voice. You know, I do not want to go to adult choir practice and strive for mediocrity. Well, I'm going to tell you, children don't either. I love that stuff. Oh, my goodness gracious. I just, if you didn't get to hear them at Bacchus singing, don't tell me these choirs are dead. That, that was, and did you notice more boys than girls? How cool was that? I was there counting. You know, I was like, oh. Now, if you want to be in a long-term situation, you've got to cooperate with other members of the staff, with other ministries. You cannot be a prima donna or the king of the roost. Um, you can, but you will not, you will not have long-term um, you have got to find a way to cooperate with the other members of the body. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the different members of the body. And I will honestly tell you, there are some people who make this very difficult. There are some people that don't want to cooperate with you. And I will tell you, I have encountered that more than once. And, and I have to say to you that the biggest the best advice I can give you on that is to examine your own heart, make sure you're doing everything you can, and ask God to show you ways. But you know, ultimately, you can only do what you can do. And I don't share this in many places because, you know, I don't want to, and I've never shared it back home. But I will tell you, there was a minister of music at my church for about 15 years, and I never could figure out before the end. I, I obviously threatened him. And I, and I didn't know that. But um, it took me a long time, and someone else on the staff, you know, pointed that out to him. And he was just very, um, 
I know this sounds petty almost, but you know, if I came in and said, um, I don't suppose many know you're showing, but if I said, um, would you like for me to go ahead and get things started for the festival, you know, for, for room arrangements and everything, they'll say, I'm tired of you trying to take over my, my territory. Or if I sat back and did nothing, he would be in the church office complaining that I wasn't, you know, and see, I had friends on the church staff, so they were constantly saying, Charlie, no matter what you do, it's going. Well, so I would just bend over backwards. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And, and <clears throat> I'm a lay person there. Um, a number of years ago, I, I stopped doing church staff. We joined a church my husband wanted to join because he'd been following me forever, and I loved his church. Uh, but I figured out the problem, but it was like 12 years into it. <clears throat> I, and is that not sad, 12 years to figure this out? I had been the interim music director at a church, and he followed me. But see, I never really put this together because, you know, when you're an interim, you don't really pay a whole lot of attention to who follows you because you go in and you do supply, you do interim, and then you leave. And it just, I knew he was at that church, but it never had quite dawned on me that he followed me. And I had done a fairly long interim, you know, about nine months. But um, I guess something about that bugged him, you know, and... Um, so anyway, about 12 years into it, he erupted at me one day and said that, you know, this, that he didn't believe in women, you know, doing that, and he was very offended he had to follow me. Of course, look, I'm, I'm not responsible for any of this. Now, I tell you this story to tell you you're going to run into people that there's just no going through. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to tell you, so did Jesus. He didn't, they didn't all receive him with open arms. Now, I don't, I don't mean to put myself on the level with Jesus, and you won't be either. But I'm just telling you, you've got to try to cooperate with other church members and other church ministries and other church staff. You've got to try. Do not be a prima donna. Do not, and I'm going to tell you, this comes into sharing rooms and sharing spaces. I have to share a room. I move chairs every week. I know people think, oh, well, you know, you probably have it great. Are you kidding? We, we move chairs every week. We move tables every week. You know, the air conditioner guy has got it programmed, and he can't ever remember we have children's <laughs> choir, and we're in there in the Mississippi humidity just because <laughs> by the time they get it turned on, I mean, it doesn't crank up in time. I'm, what I'm telling you is, it's not perfect. It's not ever going to be perfect. So just get in there and do what you can do and don't get all in a wad about something you can't fix. Just go ahead with it. <clears throat> and I love D. Decreasing emphasis on self. Not self-seeking, not selfish. There's a scripture in John 3.30 that says, He must increase. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. You must decrease in your own estimation. Um, I will tell you, um, I'm not anybody. You know, I don't have a long pedigree. Uh, and what I'm saying to you is when I'm, in a, when I'm in a situation like this, teaching a PhD, I have a master's degree, but I don't have a PhD. So, you know, Three-quarters of these people who are teaching are PhDs. I'm, I don't have that credential on my name. But, you know, it doesn't matter because God has given me a ministry, and he has opened that door, and he's taught me through the, through experience and through being in classrooms with children. And But keep in mind, I'm not anybody anyway except who I am in Christ. You know, one of the saddest things for teaching children now is if they can empower themselves. What a shock. I mean, you know, for, for the church to even buy into that is so sad. We've got to be teaching children. If their strength comes from the Lord, their power comes from the Lord. But that's okay. <laughs> they're, you know, they're... Um, 
their wisdom comes from the Lord. That's what scripture says. And that's what you've got to keep. So don't, you know, I have friends in this ministry and in this work who get so offended if somebody writes their name and they put PhD at the end of it or Dr. So-and-so, or they get so offended that the little blurb that, that is in the magazine or the brochure didn't have all the sentences that they sent in. Come on, what a lot. You know, do y'all really care? Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't care. I mean, what you care about is whether you go into a conference and it's presented in such a way that you can go home and use it. That's what you care about. But my point is, don't get so focused on yourself that you think you're somebody in this earth. I mean, you are somebody in the Lord. But you don't get to run the show. There's a whole bunch of other parts of the body from 1 Corinthians 12 there too. And they all get to be part of it because that's how God designed it. And, you know, um, being self-seeking and trying to pull out the thing yourself. And, you know, this is another thing. Don't get me wrong here again. I'm not going into musical styles. I love it all. I love it all. But what I don't like is mixing Christian entertainment and worship. They are two different things. They are two different things. I, I'm all for Christian entertainment, but when I worship, I want focus to be brought on God, not on the performance. And I think the worship services here are such beautiful examples of that. Because I'm so drawn to the Lord. Um, and even though the people here are phenomenal, you know, they're phenomenal. God's gifted them and talented them in such magnitude. But, but see, don't ever get to the point where you think you're so important to your church. I, I have a friend who says, Abby, she said this to me two weeks ago. Love her. She's my best friend. But she said, I have taught at Full Strength Sunday School for 20-something years, and I'll be dead gum if they're not going to do it my way. I said, Ann, get a life. <laughs> And, and I can talk to her like that because she's my bestest friend. But I said, listen to what you just said. You know, don't go there. If you want to have long-term success in your church, don't go there. Don't go there. I love E. Read E just to yourself. Scripture says you're doing it for what? What reason? You equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. You are teaching these little saints and little babies so that the body of Christ can be built up. Is that not a beautiful picture? I'm going to tell you, if you want to get on your knees and ask God to teach you something for this time, why are you working? Ask him to teach you. Oh, try to equip your little saints with the work of love. Maybe they're little three-year-old saints. Or maybe they're sixth-grade pre-pubertized saints. <laughs> but, you know, um, either way, equip them for the work of service. The building up of the body of Christ. I don't know, Rebecca Prater, who directed that youth choir last night, y'all can tell I love that. She, she and I shared an apartment last night, and uh, I've known her. She was in Mississippi eons ago, and I hadn't seen her in many, many years. And uh, I, I, I was half paying attention because I was really tired last night to the fact that it was a mission and music tour. And so we got back to the apartment last night, and I got to looking at my um, program a little bit, and, and then Rebecca came in, and I said, Rebecca, now tell me, tell me what the mission part of this is, you know. Do y'all know where they sing? This was so amazing to me. They only sing at, at churches that have no youth choirs so that they can be an encouragement to getting things started. Or at homeless shelters, um, they sang for um, a shelter where they, for battered women and their children. 
so their mission is that they're staying in places where they can be encouraged, not just to go sing at different places. I just thought that was the neatest idea. But my point is, she's teaching, and she said their kids just get energized with being just with God's power because when they see the response, she said one of the places, I can't remember if it was this year or last year they saw, <coughs> was a deaf shelter. It was a huge deaf shelter. And, um, of course, they had to have sign language interpreters. And she said the kids were so moved by the response of all the deaf folks that went there. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But see, that is equipping the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ. That will give you long-term success. Um, F, flexibility in everything, except the stuff that's immovable and unshakable and uh, unchangeable. And what I mean by that is, I was, I know this, I know y'all gonna think I'm just this pretty old woman. After many, many years in this room that I just loved at my church, it was big. We had lots of room for instruments. You know, my four sisters had a choir, my four sisters had a choir. Try not to say that in your church, say our, my is terrible. But anyway, <coughs> they came and announced two weeks before Children's Choir started last fall that the new children's director had decided that all children's activities would now be held in the children's wing of our church. And all of the rooms are tiny. There was no big room to put three grades in. So their solution was to squeeze us into a little room. <coughs> so where we had had this nice big room you know, for three grades to go into, now we're in this claustrophobic. And I had to move everything into a separate building, up and down stairs, because the elevator in the old part of the building, I don't know if y'all have old churches, but at our church, you have to go, to get to where I had to go, you have to go down the new elevator, walk all the way down a long hall, up a ramp, get on the old elevator, you know, you get the picture. It was just easier to take the stairs. But anyway, I always had a really bad attitude. You know, and so what I decided I'd do was I would pray with every step I took and every instrument I moved and every box that I moved and that when we squeezed into this teeny little room, I would just think about something spiritual. <coughs> so I got over it. <coughs> but, you know, I wasn't happy, I'll be honest with you. But I had to be flexible because that wasn't my decision. You know, and here's the kicker. That children's director that made us do that resigned three months later. <coughs> Probably because of that. No, no. <laughs> but anyway, um, I give you that example to show you that things like that happen in churches. And you just might as well not. I mean, I had a, another lady in our choir that's worked with us for a number of years. She said, well, I think we just ought to rebel and not do it. And I said, well... I thought of that. <laughs> I said, but then I thought that wouldn't be the Christ-like thing to do because after all, it's just a room and it's just chairs. And there were some advantages to being in the smaller room. They were few and far between, but there were some. So be flexible. <clears throat> uh, and we've already talked about G, the growing knowledge of musical and spiritual education. Always keep learning. Always keep learning. Don't quit. You're here, so I don't need to speak to the choir. H is important. What does H say? Read it out loud, everybody. Amen. Do what my hands tell you to do with your whole body. <clears throat> whole body up. Now divide in half. Y'all do this hand. Y'all do this hand. <clears throat> Why did I do that? Pardon? 
say that. Y'all yeah. were looking a little lethargic. <laughs> you were part. about announcement class one of our biggest successes has been our bear team ukuleles and I'll talk about that announcement class whenever I catch that I can't remember when that is the day baby um, but those boys respond to hands on they were and I want to tell you something they boys are wired differently as far as you know I, let me just tell you this <coughs> backing up Almost every school system in this country now is dealing with the fact, private and public, that girls are outperforming boys. You know, if you pick up an education magazine, that's head news. You know, girls are outperforming boys. I, after doing all these studies, figured out, I'll tell you what it is. Boys like recess. We've taken away every recess, you know, I mean, you know, boys need to just go get some energy out. They just need to go burst the door open and get some energy out, even if for a few minutes. And as we've taken all that away, and so much of the learning is structured to um, the computer, which the boys do like that, but they don't get those gross motor skills. They are made differently. God created their bodies different. That testosterone has to go somewhere. You know, now, we're talking in general terms here, but I'm saying um, boys have to have hands-on. If you have an older children's choir or a younger children's choir and you are putting them in chairs and singing for 45 minutes or an hour, you will lose your boys in fifth and sixth grade. You will. And I will tell you something else, too. If you do musicals every year, where they have to do choreography that they can just do, they will not come. Now, boys will do certain amounts of choreography. Like if you noticed last night, I thought that was a good example. The choreography that that youth choir did was very gender neutral. I mean, it wasn't too frou-frou, uh, wasn't too sissy. So they would do that choreography because it it really spoke to the words and it wasn't. But um, our, our music camp, our new minister of music is doing a great job. He's, this is his second summer there, and he's doing a music camp. But he had so few boys last year. And I'll be honest, the, the lady that choreographed it, it was so girl-oriented. It was so girl-oriented. And those boys just weren't going to do it. And so after the first day, they didn't come back. Um, and it was highly choreographed. I mean, it was one of those bills where, you know, every number was choreographed from beginning to end. Now, I know the answer. Somebody's going to say, oh, but you can't sacrifice it. The girls love it. I'm going to tell you something. When you've got girls and boys in the choir, what about meeting everybody's needs? Duh. You know, duh. I mean, why can't we come up with something that ministers that meets everybody's needs. I mean, put some girls out front and let them do a frou-frou liturgical dance if you want to. But don't put your, you know, you know the guys you know, who I'm talking about. You know, they already think they're men in the fifth grade and they think all men are bases. I mean, you know, they have a lot of these <laughs> misconceptions. And, and, you know, and they try to, they kind of strut, you know, they kind of, you know, I've cut it down. And then, and then if, if anybody says something to them, it's like, hmm. Hmm. You know, 
they are just too big for their grip. Now, but the thing is, you know that bucket don't hold water. So, you know, you don't care. You say, I have a need, and I'm going to meet it. So if God's help, I'm going to meet it. And I'm going to find something Craig likes to do in his closet. I mean, if God gave me one thing in life, it's perseverance. <laughs> and, and I will look at Craig and I will This is the most wonderful thing that has ever been created. My man, who God cares for, and I'm, my point is, don't just design your choir around women, around girls. Uh, kids are different. Sure, you have some girls who are tomboys, and you have some boys that have quieter moods, and, and they love the arts. But don't leave out. Because I'm going to tell you, Mr. Bickford's Bridges over here may be the next Randall Bradley or Mark Edwards or, you know, who knows? So don't drive him out. Give him something he loves to do. Uh, I can go through the rest of these really quick. <laughs> um, we've really already talked about I. I'm going to read this scripture aloud with me. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desires. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And I wanted you to read that scripture because basically you're saying that to children. If, 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 I forgot your name. Name. Chris. Craig and Chris. If Chris is my boy that I'm having trouble getting interested I cannot say in my mind or say to Chris, I have no need of him. So he quit. So what? He doesn't like choir anyway. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. There have been years when on Wednesday I started praying in the morning that the certain kid might not show up that night, you know. Um, and I'm going to talk about this in theology for classroom management. But now let's be honest. Isn't there, isn't there some kid sometimes you just... Maybe you've got a migraine and it would be nicer if he didn't show up. Well, but see, also, when we subtly and quietly say to children, I don't care if you don't like choir, if you don't like it, leave. You know, I mean, we may not say those words, but when we are not giving them anything that meets their need, then I'm saying to him, I have no need of you. What does the scripture say? Is that what the scripture says? I'm going to tell you, God's got to convict us on this. God's got to convict us on this. We have need of every kid in this, every child in this. The Chris's, the Craig's, the little frou-frou girls. You know, and I will tell you honestly, the whiny girls which are worse than pure, overt misbehavior by the boys. You know, the whines that, Miss <laughs> Magdalene, well, I don't like to sit by her. Miss <laughs> Magdalene, she got no music to sing. <laughs> 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 it is, isn't it? Okay. I love Kay. Kindle every child's creative spirit. It really goes with what I just said. Kindle every child's creative spirit. Let them make music. Don't simply regurgitate and replicate. Oh, love for God for each child and your fellow worker. If you don't do anything else, put the name God on every child in your choir and every teacher secretary, anybody you work with, and a dart. And get another empty dart, and every day pick one or two to play for, and remember to put them on the other dart when you start over again. Somebody told me that little tip years ago, and that has been so helpful to me. Because I can't pray every day for everybody.
Can you hear what she's saying? As you pray, make a list of what you appreciate and love about every child, every teacher. That goes back to loving each one of them. Uh, read that scripture aloud with me. God is love. And the one who Dad's position. Um, he, it's just made him a little, little different than the other boys coming out in front of him and make fun of his speech because he has some speech problems. And he's good. I mean, in sixth grade, he's already six feet. His dad, his dad was a basketball player, six five, six six, so he's going to be a big boy. But um, I really had to look for ways to nourish him spiritually because he. He's just different, and he's getting better every year. He's learning social skills. His speech is improving. There are some parts his intellect is fine. It's it's whatever little part of that brain that you know social down. But I've had to work with that. It's not easy, and he and he so needs somebody to nourish him spiritually. Older children's challenges quickly going through these. That's kind of what I've already talked about. Make sure they have some special challenges and things. Maybe we'll talk about this later, but I've got desk camps over here for hymns and, and maybe uh, a part that the sixth graders are going to sing. Or maybe they will play a little accompaniment part. You know, some older challenges with, with son. I love all my P words here. Prayer, planning, preparation, and praise. We'll talk about this next section, but you have to be quick to forgive when the gift children lose sight. We'll talk about that a lot in the next section, but I'm going to tell you something. As long as I have my family, I have to forgive them every day for the wrong children that I have touched and touched If you ever let a child get under your skin, you know what I mean? Get under your skin. Where they are grading you, you need to get on your knees before God and get that worked out because we've got to forgive them every day. And let me tell you, I've had some of them in this book. I have had some big child troubles. Major ones. God gives them to you if you stay in this long enough. <laughs> Rules, stupid rules. steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding, I love that word, underline that. Knowing that your toil is not in vain. Your V word is variety. I'm going to do a whole session on that this week. Variety, just mixing it up, doing things a little different, giving them the buffet. I think the title of the session is called the buffet. And I, I absolutely believe in that.
collection. And then every time you do, take a little bite of it, just take it. Do not let them see you being too big and too small for all. See, I called recognition after the second changed my life. She was the most bubbly, effervescent person I've ever seen. So I thought, well, that's how you do choir. You just go and you just exude. And, <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and so I tried to be Linda Boyd. I'm not Linda Boyd. And you're not me. And I'm not you. But I want to tell you, be who you are. Because children will see us as both. Some of us are quieter. But does that mean you can't have zeal and enthusiasm? No. Does it mean you can't have a smile on your face? And I will honestly tell you, it is a good thing to look in the mirror and practice teaching. I will tell you what I found out years ago. I looked in the mirror when I was teaching the songs and found out that the more I concentrated, the less I smiled. <laughs> and so after a while, I began to look just downright stern, you know, because the more I thought, the, you know, so, I can't really correct that when I'm thinking. So, I have made it a point to smile between every song. <laughs> you know, or to do something funny so that the children see the humor. <clears throat> I want to close with one scripture verse. And forgive me, I don't have it marked, so let me. Um, but as I'm looking, I want to tell you that zeal cannot be manufactured. Um, it cannot be modeled on somebody else's. But if you look again at that scripture at the bottom of the page, what does it say? Do it what? That has to come from right inside you. And as you pray for success, in the beginning of Nehemiah, I don't know if you've ever read the beginning of this book, but I did a devotional deal a couple of years ago on the book of Nehemiah. And that book, I will just tell y'all, it's overwhelming. The idea of Nehemiah building a wall and all that stuff, it, it was not my, one of my big appealing Bible stories because it, it was kind of a more of a manly kind of thing. And this devotional thing opened my eyes in such a wonderful way. But here's the part I want you to know. In the beginning... When Nehemiah knows he needs to go to the king and he's the cupbearer and he, and he wants to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and that's, he feels God has called him to do that, listen to what he did. He goes to the Lord in prayer and he says to God, 
you know, I and my father's house have sinned, and we have acted corruptly. Now, Nehemiah had not really sinned, but his, he was speaking on behalf of Israel. But then he gets down, and this is the part I want you to listen to. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servants and the prayer of thy servants who delight to revere thy name. And make thy servant, he's talking about himself, make me successful today and grant me compassion before this morning. It is not bad to ask God for success in your life. Nehemiah goes to God and he says, Father, make thy servant, make me successful in my work today, in my ministry. If you're going to be in this for a long time, and God wants you to be, know that your toil is not in vain. Know that you will not always see immediate results from your toil. But that doesn't mean you're not planting those seeds. And go, as Nehemiah did, before the Lord and say, God, make me your servant successful in the work before me today. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, you know that these people already have this zeal and enthusiasm and desire for you. They want to be here. But Father, I ask you to encourage them and to help them to know that it is right, it is good to ask for success in their ministries. Not as a self-seeking or selfish way, but because they want to honor you and lead children to worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.